Good morning. Let's show the uh, let's show the worship team some love this morning. Thank you so much. Awesome job. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be verses 25 through 29, 25 through 27. If you don't know, we've been walking through a series on family, relationships. Today, I want to speak to us specifically on love, what it means to love, honestly, truly, what real love looks like. Speaking of what real love looks like, a group of children were recently asked some questions about love. I want to read to you these questions, and I want you to hear their responses on what they perceive love to look like. Judy, age seven, she was asked the question, how do people in love typically behave? How do people in love typically behave? Her answer, well... When a person gets kissed for the first time, they fall down and they don't get up for at least an hour. <laughs> it's a powerful kiss. Stella, age nine, she was asked this question, why does love happen between certain people? She says, no one is really sure why it happens. But I heard it has something to do with the way that you smell. And that's why perfume and deodorant are so popular. I'm a fan of both of those things. Tom, age nine, what do you think falling in love is like? Well, that's a great question. What do you think? What does it feel like to fall in love? He says, it's like an avalanche and you ought to run for your life. <laughs> Get out of the way. Nine-year-old boys. You have a nine-year-old boy, you know that's how they truly feel. Last question here. Anita, age eight. How important, this is a great question. How important is your looks, or are your looks, when it comes to falling in love? Does this really even matter? She said this, if you want to be loved by somebody who isn't already in your family, it doesn't hurt to be beautiful. I agree with that. Truth be told, all of us, all of us want to be loved. All of us in this world, we truly desire to express and to show love. And even though those responses to those questions are humorous and we laugh at them. Truth is, I think oftentimes as adults, we miss it. We miss it as well. We, we launch into life and we launch into family, we launch into relationships, and we really honestly think that we know what love looks like. Paul's gonna communicate to us in these verses today in a crystal clear fashion what real love looks like. He's going to tell us, he's going to communicate, hey, here is the biblical picture of love, and more importantly, this is how we, this is how we should seek to love those that God has placed in our life. As a matter of fact, these verses, Ephesians 5, really 22 through 
29, or 22 through 33 rather, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, those 11 verses are the longest portion in all of Scripture, uh, of Scripture on family. You won't find anywhere else in all of Scripture where there is more being said in one particular spot about family and relationships than this text. This is it. In those 11 verses, this is interesting, there are three verses written to wives. That's 23 through 24. Those three verses, 22, 23, 24, written to wives. The following nine verses are written to husbands. Interpret that how you will, but Paul has a lot to say to us hard-headed men when it comes to love. But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge with a, with a text like this for a communicator. It's written to a specific audience. Paul's writing specifically to husbands. Here's what I would say to you. Anytime we open up God's Word, anytime we, we read God's Word, it has something to say to each and every one of us. It's alive. It's active. So I would encourage you today, look for a handle. Look for a handle to grab a hold of. Look for something to grab a hold of. Look for some truth that you can apply to your life, some truth that you can pray for in the lives of those around you. Look for some truth that you can begin to understand about how we're called to love. So while I'm going to specifically be speaking to husbands, because that's what the text does, I should point out that Jesus, multiple times in scriptures, John 13, 34, Paul in Ephesians 5, 2, he says, all of us as believers are called to walk in love. All of us are called to love like Christ. And so once again, while this is speaking specifically to husbands, there's a word and there's a message for every one of us in this room when it comes to how we seek to love. So whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're single, whether you're married, male or female, there's something for all of us. And I want to specifically say this. There are people in this room who have in some way, shape, or form been hurt by love. Maybe you walked in today and you just limped in here. You've been in a relationship, a marriage, and you are wounded in the process of seeking to love. Here's what I would say to you. My prayer for you today is this, that God would begin to heal your heart. That God would meet you in your brokenness, that he would meet you in your hurt and your pain, and he would begin to heal your heart. And then secondly, I would say this, God's not done with you yet. God's not done with you. Your story does not end where brokenness begins. God wants to pick you up and begin to do something new in your life. And so having said all that, Having prefaced this whole conversation with those words, let's read our verses, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. Here's what Paul says to husbands about how we are to seek to love. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And so in these verses, he's using this analogy for husbands and wives with Christ and the church. It's a comparison. He says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water 
with the word that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or no wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. First four words in that text, verse 25, what does it say? Husbands, love your wives. Here's the difficult thing for us. There's three words in the Greek for love. Eros, which is a sensual, passionate, physical love. Phileo, which is a brotherly love, a give-and-take love, a warm and affectionate love, but it's not the love that Paul calls us to. No, 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 no. He uses the word agapao. Agapao. The noun form of that word is agape, right? And listen to what this love means. Listen to the type of love that Paul calls us to. Agapao means to love dearly. Here's the important part. To seek the well-being of others regardless of their response. It's the same word. It's the same Greek word that's used throughout Scripture over and over again to signify and describe the kind of love that God has for us. It's the kind of love that God has for us. It's not how you feel, it's what you choose. And God calls us, Paul writes, we're called to this deeper kind of love. That word agapal, John 3, 16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. There's this relationship in Scripture over and over again between loving and giving. Loving and giving. That word agapal, loving and giving. It's a love that gives. Here's the first big thought for today. Real love, what does it look like? Real love is driven by sacrifice. That's verse 25. When Paul writes about how Christ gave himself for the church, it's a sacrificial love. And so if we're really going to love the people that God has placed in our life, we have to love like Christ. How did Christ love? He loved sacrificially. We know that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for the church. He gave himself for us. He is the standard. He didn't sit on his throne in heaven. He didn't simply bark commands at us from heaven. No, 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 no. At a personal cost that none of us can ever fully fathom, he laid down his rights. He laid down his rights as God. He took on human flesh and became obedient to the cross. So husbands, here's the invitation for you today. Come and die with Christ. That's it. If you want to love sacrificially, come and die with Christ. Nail self to the cross. Because selfish people will never love sacrificially. Can't happen. That's why Paul writes over and over again in his letters. He says, hey, die daily to the flesh. Die daily to self so that what? So that you can love. 
You can love people. You can love your wives. You can love those God has placed in your life sacrificially. Die to self. And that's the truth. We will either love people sacrificially, where we are constantly looking for, looking out for their needs, and their needs are primary, or we will love selfishly, where the things that we do, the love that we express, is aimed at getting something in return. And Paul says, no, 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 no. We're to love, not eros, not passionate love that seeks something physical, not phileo, even though it's warm and friendly, no, 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 agapow. Sacrificial love like Christ. It's so easy to get caught up being good in life that we miss being godly or pursuing godliness. And I think most especially in relationships. It's easy just to be good and forget that we're called to live a godly life inside the context of marriage and inside the context of our families. I want to love sacrificially. I want to see the needs of my wife. I want to see the needs of the people that God has put in my life so I can meet them where they are. What does this kind of love look like? I struggle. I struggled on how to illustrate this. What, how could I express to you what this type of love that Paul calls us to, what does it look like? An unusual way to illustrate this today, I want you to watch this video. Greatest ministry, greatest opportunity for impact on this side of eternity is our family. I just want to be used up. I want all the stuff, all the good stuff that God has put in me and given me to be used up in the process of loving my wife, loving my family. I want to love sacrificially because that's the kind of love that God calls us to. Sacrificial love has a purpose. It's not just for no reason. There's a purpose to it. Second part of this scripture, what's the second big thought for today? Here it is. It's in the text. It's real love, sacrificial love, aims to sanctify. Sacrificial love seeks to sanctify. The word for sanctify in this text, verse 26, hagiazo. It means to separate from ordinary things, to dedicate to God, to purify. In other words, when you marry someone, you set them apart from the world. They're set apart for special protection, special care, special attention, for a special, for a special purpose. The application for husbands is clear. We have to be committed to the total well-being of our lives, of our wives committed to the total well-being of our wives, but most especially to their spiritual growth in holiness. We love sacrificially to work inside the process of helping sanctify our wives, sanctify our families, sanctify those that God has placed in our lives to love. We're helping them 
grow into who God has created them to be. And that's the greatest joy in life, is to see people come alive in Christ and to grow into his plan and his purpose for their lives. And then in verse 27, Paul says, you see it, he uses these two words, spots and wrinkles. Husbands, turn to your wife and say, I'm gonna help you with your spots and your wrinkles. <laughs> Refers to the, the old sacrificial system. But importantly for us, and just quickly, spots, things on the outside. Dirt, filth, defilement on the outside, physical part of life. Wrinkles refer to things on the inside, the heart. The, the, the stuff, the, the hurt, the pain, tragedy, trauma, brokenness. Paul says, hey, husbands, Christ followers, as you love people, be aware of spots and wrinkles. Be aware of spots and wrinkles and know that God wants to sanctify and renew the broken parts of life so that he can continue to grow people in godliness and to grow them into who he has created them to be. I believe that someday I'm gonna stand before God and I'm gonna be held accountable to the way that I love my family. He's gonna say, Terry, I gave you that beautiful, beautiful bride, Kristen. Did you love her sacrificially? Did you seek to sanctify her in the way that you loved her? I gave you those two beautiful, blonde-headed daughters, London and Hope. Did you love them in that same way? Did you love them sacrificially with a love that seeks to sanctify them? protect them and keep them and guard them so they could grow into who God created them to be. As a pastor, as a friend, did you love people in that same way? I believe all of us will have to answer those questions someday when we stand before Almighty God. If that's the truth and that's the case, then we have this high standard of love that we're called to, how in the world? Are you telling me that we're supposed to love our wives? We're supposed to love those people in our life that God has given us like Christ loves the church sacrificially in a way that seeks to sanctify? How in the world can someone ever begin to do that? That's humanly impossible. Paul gives us the answer in Ephesians chapter three. Listen to what it says. Look at, look at verse 14 if you have your Bible. If not, it's going to be on the screen. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Here's the answer. Listen to what he says. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell. That word dwell means to take up a permanent residence. So that Christ would live. So that Christ would dwell in your hearts, live in your hearts through faith. Because that's how he comes into our life is through faith. 
that God would be a permanent resident, Christ would be a permanent resident in your heart through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up, be filled up to all the fullness of God. That Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith and that you'd be filled up. A lot of people have misunderstanding of what it means to be filled with the power of God. What it means to be filled up, and that's what Paul's talking about here, that you'd have power in the inner man, that you'd be filled up with the Spirit of God. What does that mean? What does that look like? I love this quote. I love this quote. Wayne Barber, he says this, being filled with the Spirit, it's like taking a glass and knocking the bottom out of it. Then taking that glass and sticking it in a river and letting the river flow through it. It's not filling it up, drinking it, and emptying it. No, 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 no. You don't empty yourself of God. God has come into you. He's come into your life to be a permanent resident. As we seek to love people the way that God has designed, here's what you have to understand. Real love can only be accomplished when we are surrendered to God and filled with his spirit. So here's the practical part of the equation. God wants to knock the bottom out of your life. He wants to punch a hole all the way through your life. Why? So streams of living water can flow through you. And as you seek to love those he has placed in your life, you'll make an eternal difference. When I gave my life to Christ, the first thing through his word, the teaching of his word, the study of his word through the Holy Spirit that dwelt within me, the first thing I learned to do as a new believer was to love. I had no idea how to do that. For lots of different reasons, I didn't know how to truly love people. That's the first lesson that God began to teach me in my life. We are simply a container. We're simply a container that he wants to fill with his plan and his purpose and most especially his love in our life. He wants to flow through us. He wants to knock the bottom out of your life so that he can use you to do great and mighty things. Won't you let him? Won't you let him? Would you pray with me?